This podcast is brought to you by GA Sports. GA Sports is home of the O'Connor Slitter, Ireland's number one hurling ball used by 311 clubs nationwide. Hello and welcome to the Backdoor Football Show and today to be joined by Ross Common and St. Vahalux, uh footballer Jared Murta. Um, Jared, as we were just saying before the show there, um, it's great to have football back and you just don't know will the season finish out though with all, with all that's going on. Yeah, well look, uh, in our own county in Erskaman, we're actually in the quarter-final stage so you're kind of hoping that um, the less teams that are in the competition, the less chance that the virus will uh, spread. So we're ho- you'll be hoping the club season at least will be finished. Um, which you never know. Um, you, like you just have to take things week by week. Uh, you wouldn't know in a week's time or two weeks' time things could be better again, and people could be talking about how intercounty will go ahead. So it's kind of just playing the waiting game um, and not looking too far ahead of yourself. Because uh, if you do that, then you could be left disappointed, you know. Uh, but um, at the moment, like, it's hard to see inter-county football going ahead, in my own opinion. Uh, obviously, you want to, but um, you want it to go ahead. But it's hard to see at the moment. Um, personally, I'd be very happy if even the club was played out. Uh, but I'd be very hopeful. I'd be, one of, I'd be one of those people who'd be of the opinion of it's something that we're going to have to live with. And that maybe going back too much into our shell isn't going to help people's even mental health and things like that going forward. So uh, you'd be hopeful, you'd be hopeful over the next few weeks. But as I said, it's more of a waiting game than, you know, looking too far ahead of yourself. Would you think inter-county football will mean as much this year, uh, squeezed into a tighter calendar? And just, even for Roscommon, your supporters bring so much passion and pride on game days. It just wouldn't be the same. Like, say, if you meet Mayo in a semi-final behind closed doors, it'd be very different. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And uh, especially if you have home games and even going down to play the likes of Mayo or Leitrim and Carrick, you know, you have big crowds there. Um, and it is, a lot of footballers will tell you the atmosphere that you have at games. It's probably one of, one of the things you remember from the day. You know, you have all this preparation and things. But the one thing you remember from the day is the, is the crowds that were there. And, you know, it could be someone shouting on that you, you might never see at a game or it could be someone shouting abuse at you, but sure, it's all part of the parcel. But like it's it, it is something that um football really needs is big crowds now in club like you kind of you wouldn't get over like because like some clubs are small rural clubs you wouldn't get massive crowds at games anyway so you're kind of used to that that way but with intercounty definitely you would the the, the crowds like one of the, the my most favorite parts of a match day would be say inner scammon uh, in the bus on the way to the game and seeing both sides of the streets packed on the way to the game, it kind of gets that good bu- buzz going and adrenaline going. So I think it would um, take away from it. Now, for players, it wouldn't exactly take away from how much it means to them with regards to winning a provincial title or winning an All-Ireland title or even if the league goes ahead getting promoted. Like That would all mean the same. Um, but atmosphere-wise, and who knows, the games mightn't even be as good uh, without um, a crowd there as well, because they do give you that bit extra, you know. So I'd be more concerned would would games um, be as good more more so than um, it would it mean as much to players? Because I know if I have a chance to win a provincial medal with Roscommon this year, it'll mean as much to me as it did the last two times we've won one. So um, yeah, I think it, it would it, it would uh, mean the same to players. 
um it's hard to know though it's hard to know like will motivation like some players might struggle for motivation uh, to play football and the big crowds might be something that's a factor for them personally it would mean the same but you know it's different for everyone you know and do you think this was a chance during lockdown that inter-county football seemed to go a bit too professional do you think after lockdown and everything that's happened that inter-county managers and players will take a look and like for an amateur sport realize that they don't need to be doing as much yeah yeah it's hard to know it's hard to know because uh, a lot of a lot of uh, managers and players no matter how much like if you have a big off season players will probably even train harder to get that extra inch on their opponents so i don't know if shortening the season uh will actually help with how much you're actually going to do <laughs> you know because i can't imagine like any team there that uh, if they're told inter-county is scrapped um, say for the winter that they're not going to train in small groups to get the advantage ahead of their opponents next year that's just being honest um, and so yeah it's, it's hard to know but it is a good chance I would say the more important thing would be to give a club the club players a fair chance a good crack at the season uh, like I just find I'd say since I started playing with Roscommon, this is the longest stint I've actually got training with my club, you know, and you're always coming, like inter-county players are always coming back into their club season as tired and more than likely after coming off a defeat if you're not, if you didn't win All-Ireland. So, you know, it's hard to get motivated again. So a lot of clubs mightn't be actually getting the best out of their county players when the, the, the season resumes in like September or at the end of August or whenever you're knocked out. So I think it's a chance to give like uh, the club season a fair block with their full panels, like even playing challenge games against um, teams from other counties and stuff. It's brilliant playing them, um, even for your club players when the other teams have their county players because you can really see where you're at. So I think it's more so like, yeah, like I think teams will always put in the extra effort, whether they're training with their team or not, they'll do it on themselves because they're so driven to win. But I think the most important thing uh, would be to get that club season and county season get the right balance between the two of them exactly and even with clubs there it gives them a chance to get momentum but i suppose one thing it does really is there's more of a chance of being upsets in a county championship because when you're going between months and months the strong it suits the stronger clubs like there's a chance of more upsets with the current structure and the period it's in what are we saying there with the with the just with the structure the way it is, like there's more of a chance of being upsets in the club championship now. The stronger clubs that obviously it's it's easier for them in the whole structure. Yeah, sorry, I took up, up there. Yeah, no, it is, it is, uh, and definitely, you know, because it gives teams a chance in the last six or seven weeks, like to prepare tactically for teams and just be organised, get that team more morale up. You know, like if if you're if you have three intercounty forwards on your team. And you're doing kickouts all year the way the season would be all year with six forwards and only three of them are going to play. It's very hard to be going out and like being organised and getting them kickouts right when when the county players might only have a week. And it could be something totally different that you've been doing with your county team. So you're not a robot that will take up something really quick. Like it's it's important that you're doing everything with your teammates. So like I, personally, I found that very beneficial over the last few weeks. And as you said, it, it gives a better chance uh, for upsets, you know, like like that. Because um, like some some teams might be like they might have a lot of county players, uh, but they might not be actually doing that well in the club scene. 
So like it gives even them a chance, you know, like I know there's a couple of clubs in our scam and the likes of um, Michael Glavies and um, say like this year, they, they have a lot on the county team. So it gives them a chance. Like they would have only seen six or seven of their players at the for two weeks before they play a championship. So this is going to give them, the likes of them a chance to have them players for that five or six week block and give them a better shot at um, going far in the competition. Yeah, just um, looking at your own club, Zane Fahilux, um, you're into the quarterfinals, top the group, um, kicking a combined score of 4.49 in the group stages. You must be fairly happy with how you're going so far. Yeah, yeah, no, we are. Um, we were relegated last year from senior. So obviously when you're coming down from, uh, we actually won the senior league last year as well. So that has probably given us more of a favour side going into the championship this year. Uh, but we came down from senior last year, which which would have been a surprise um, to a lot of other teams and ourselves. But if you lose four championship games, you deserve you don't deserve to be playing senior football the following year. So, um, yeah, no, we're, we're going all right. We've had a few tough games. Um, probably our better game was there, the one gone the weekend, um, just defensively and attacking-wise. Like the game before that, we conceded four goals. I know it's all great scoring 4-49 or whatever it was, but... If you were leaking goals, you're eventually going to lose games. So uh, it's definitely something that we're learning from. Um, it's nice to be going into a quarterfinal seeded, but the way the draw works out and the way teams get seeded, you're still going to have a tough quarterfinal. Um, you know, there's a lot of tough teams left in the competition and a lot of teams, say, champing at the bit to get up to play senior football, a lot of teams with young players. So it's going to be tough for us now, but I would feel like we're in a good place. But we're not going to get too comfortable where we are now at the moment. And how special is it playing summer football, uh, I suppose, in the better weather than usual in your early October, like, and especially with, like, the young lads you've grown up with, like, being able to play in them kind of conditions, it must just be much better, I can imagine. Yeah, actually, Saturday gone by was the nicest day we got for the game. <laughs> it's nice to be playing on the ground, it's solid. But it's true, and... Um, you know, I think it's, it, 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 it can be fair when the competition is on better conditions and it allows for more attractive football to be played because when the conditions get worse and teams might be underdogs in, going into games, they'll take a step back and maybe drop more men behind the ball. But it is hard on club players because they're like peaking during the summer not to be playing in them conditions, you know, because they're, you know, the championship doesn't really start like if you're getting to and the way it works in Roscommon and um, the top three teams go out of a group the third place teams go into a playoff so you know there's you could say nine out of the 12 teams in the competition are going to be playing football to the end of September when the weather might be just getting a bit worse so they are a lot of teams in Roscommon the way it works for us are playing their club football in worse conditions and then usually league finals even after championships so you could be going on to October I think it was the middle of November, we won our league final last year and it was hard in the legs playing on the pitch, put it like that. But uh, yeah, you would like to see, that's why I'd like to see more of a balance and give um, club club players a, a fair crack at the club championship. Like even the weather or the pitches are kind of solid between April and June and things like that. You know, is there like a blocks, blocks we could get for club and county championship playing in the peak of the summer? You probably won't but you could at least get a month or two at it anyways, you know. Um, you got eye surgery um, a while ago and you questioned going back to football. Was that very tough mentally to deal with? Yeah, I suppose the reason it was tough for me is because um, 
when I got it, football was just ending, you know, so it was like towards the end of the summer and then the winter was coming. So I kind of had a lot of time to reflect and it was a detached retina and I just had a lot of time to reflect and I was like, why am I going back? You know, like if it was during the summer, say everyone would be concerned that you're injured, but during the winter, like no one, no one really cares about you. And it's true. Like, and even when you're injured and it's no disrespect to managers, they don't care about you. They want the fellas who are fit to play. And I'd probably be the same myself if I was a manager, you know, you're no good to a manager if, if you're, if you're not fit, especially with managers, like they never really manage nowadays over three years. So if you're injured for two of them, like there's no point having you around. So like, I was kind of like just contemplating that and uh, wondering was it worth the injury that I got, you know, like that injury, if it was worse, I wouldn't be able to drive my car, you know, like simple things like that. Never mind uh, train with a team. So it just it just made me wonder, but I think it could have been in the moment as well, you know, as things started to clear up and I was allowed to go back doing a bit of exercise and gym work and things like that, you kind of got back into enjo enjoying training and um, I was lucky at the time actually that Anthony was very patient with me as well, you know, like he was only after taking over the team, so he could have left me to the side um, coming, coming towards uh, the new year, but he always kept in touch with me and uh, told me that he'd be delighted to have me back training whenever I can and that there's that they won't be holding the gun to my head and say you have to be back training this time it was all it was all my own decision and you know when someone's like that for you you're willing to work hard for them as well so they can get their their reward so um no no I, I was delighted to get back playing and really enjoying it now as well I wouldn't really have much effects of it now it's it's probably a common enough injury that you mightn't hear of others like say club players that has, has happened to so um you know I just get on with it now I probably did lose a bit of sight in the eye uh, at the time but as I said I, I don't know any different now I don't know how good the eyesight was beforehand so the way it is now for all I know it's the way it always was you know and yourself and your brother uh, Kieran didn't commit to the Rock Common panel at the start of the year was it true lockdown where you were just kind of watching old matches and seeing these old matches and we're like I have to go back to Roscommon football is that what made you? Yeah well personally like I'd say it straight out the reason I took the break is I wanted a break away from it and um, just uh, mentally more than anything I was just tired and like struggling to get motivated I know like people say to you how could you be not motivated to play with your county but uh, like there's more to it than that you know there's more to it than say being in Hyde Park uh, on a summer's day playing against any of the Connacht teams uh, on a score tree, you know, like that's the that's the easy side of it. That's the side where everyone wants to do, but it's just the other part, putting in the effort, the thoughts of togging out, going training in the wet, just, it, it didn't appeal to me. Um, and again, the management team were so understanding and they were really nice about, say, leaving the door open for me as well. Um, and like, I didn't really have any plans or anything like, you know, the easy thing for everyone to think was, oh, he wants to go playing in America for the summer. But that wasn't the case with me. I literally just wanted a break. Um, and I was lucky enough with, with the lockdown because I had just started back training with the club and I was, I was enjoying it. Um, still finding it a bit hard to get motivated to train because the, the weather was brutal around February uh, at home here. But then we had the lockdown. So um, I was up in Dublin for the lockdown. Um, and just yeah you'd be watching old games and documentaries and you know you kind of just got time to think why you were doing it in the first place and 
uh, for me, the pros were outweighing the cons at that stage. And then I started training myself, uh, running the roads and things like that. And I was actually enjoying it and like trying to reach targets for myself fitness-wise. Like you would have saw a lot of uh, crazy 5K times <laughs> going out on Instagram, but that wasn't me now. <laughs> I would have been over the 20, 20 minute mark anyways. But like, just like little targets like that. And um, even like running on the road with a football in your hand, it, it just made me get the love back for the game again. And being honest, I couldn't be happier at, at the moment. And I'm not just saying that, like I tell you straight out, if I wasn't enjoying it, but I'm playing it, but I actually am enjoying it now. And like, I'd be buzzing to get back in with a as well. And um, like, it wouldn't be fair for me to be going back into a, a county panel, say unmotivated, like, because someone who has a negative influence on a team, it's, it is noticed and it impacts players. And I didn't want to be that player, you know, not having say my full heart in it and um, so that's that's the explanation of why I wanted the break and and I'm happy and delighted to be back uh, part of the panel now. Um, on your accuracy and your skills like you're a very talented two-footed player how did you develop that was it just simply at the wall against the ball or going down to the pitch and kicking or how did you develop your skills and your accuracy in front of goal? Some lads that argue now that the right foot isn't great, but I do try and improve them wrong. Um, yeah, it would be. It would be. Um, as a family, there's three brothers, obviously, in it, and their dad is obviously big into football. So we would have spent a lot of time in the pitch and um, practicing freeze the night before games and things like that. Yeah, kicking the ball, practicing our skills. Like, even say, like, up at the pitch, one of us will kick the ball into the other one, and we practice winning the ball out in front with our handling and things like that. Um, shooting from different angles and um, all things and uh, probably the important thing for us was when we went up to do these sessions it wasn't a mess around or a kick around it was you know if we took 16 frees and we missed one we'd come home disgusted we used to have competitions with each other so we'd be very disappointed if we came home even missing one free and uh, and that's just not just something we'd be saying now that it sounds good but it's just the way we would be and um, like even after matches I'd never I'd never really to think I played well, you know, I'd be very harsh, maybe too harsh on myself. Um, so that's that's kind of the way I would be, and that kind of works for me to get the best out of myself. And then it wouldn't be any different with frees. Um, you know, people would tell you, you score this free, it was a great free, but like you could have missed two or three before that. And to me, that's that's no good. It's very important that you're like it, it's my job playing on teams I play on to take frees. You know, if our keeper is dropping the ball in over his head he's slated, <laughs> but if I'm missing a free, you don't get as much uh, slack, whereas I do give that slack to myself, you know, and I think that's important. Um, but yeah, with skills-wise, we would have practiced a lot, um, up against the wall, like all them different skills you would have saw during lockdown, lads were doing brilliant things on Instagram from all different counties, showing skills, like they are the things that are important. And I think like a lot of people are trying to get that extra 1% with their fitness and running roads and doing this crazy running, Whereas if you can't pick up the ball with both feet, hand pass with both feet, kick with both feet, you're going to be in more trouble than you will be. Um, like fitness won't get you out of everything, you know, especially to play at the, at the top level. That's only my own opinion on it. And it's something I'd be uh, encouraging as a manager if I, if I was ever going to go into coaching, you know. And then as an inside forward, like 
how do you deal with the sledging, the pushing off the ball? Like it's it's in the game. I know people are saying it's trying to move away from the game, but it's probably always going to be in the game because a cornerback isn't going to respect a top class corner forward. Like how do you deal with that? Yeah, I suppose like you, you you're ready for it though. It, it's it can it can be funny. It depends on the the humor you're in on the pitch. Like some lads might say stuff, but it get you going. To me, the, the fellas who are quiet, the cornerbacks who are quiet, they're the ones I worry about because you never know where they are. <laughs> you know, it's the fellas who are loud, you're always aware where they're coming behind you. So, but um, I know it's. I don't think I don't think sledging is as bad um, as people think it is on the pitch. Uh, like no one has really ever went low on me now with any insults or like it's hear about people spitting on each other and writing their girlfriend's names or parents' names or whatever, like that has never happened to me. Um you'd have fellas giving it to you physically and but you'd expect nothing less. You'd be just hoping that your own teammates are at it on the other end as well. But um sledging wise, no, I've never really got it too bad. You would hear hear some stories, but I, I don't I don't think it's as bad. I think it's more in younger players nearly playing minor and under twenty one um where they're kind of so mad to get that extra inch going out to play a game. I think I think at senior level um at inter county you just like you're either good enough or you're not or you try your best or you won't, you know, like it, it, it you won't you know that going out telling this fella he's no good isn't going to get the edge because he's an inter-county player for a reason, you know, he's probably mentally strong a, a lot of the time. So, um, like, I, I don't really agree with it. I don't think, just get on with the game, you know. As I said, if if you're good enough, be better than the man you're marking. And it's great to get them physical battles, you know. You'd have so much respect for, for the player you're marking. You nearly have more respect for a fellow you'd be marking and giving you a good battle like that than than you would for any of the other players in the team, even though he might be at you the whole game. But, you know, you'd have respect for a fella that would play hard and go for the ball and, you know, hard and fair, I suppose. But I, do, I don't think it's, um like, you'd often hear, you'd often see on telly, like, fellas be saying stuff to other lads, but you'd hardly hear it. You know, you wouldn't pass a bit of heat. And sometimes it can be a bit of fun as well. You know, you might have a bit of crack with the fella you're on. He might be telling you you're, use, you're useless, but <laughs> you'll be telling him the same back how much you scored. <laughs> but like it's it's all in, in good humor. But I don't think that the bad legend is 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 out there as much. Now, and that's just from my personal experience. Like you could talk to some other player, and it could tell you it's the worst thing they've ever come across. You know, I think it differs from player to player, and how from players react to it as well. And who would you say has been your toughest uh, man maker um, in football? Yeah. Yeah, you never really like saying saying this one, especially when you're still playing, because you could be marking them again. Um, but I have to say it would be there's two players I always taught, and I have different reasons for them. Um, I would say the Mayo defenders are brilliant defenders, absolutely, they're really really good, and like that there'd be no sledging or anything. It's just physical. Uh, it's it's me or you, whoever gets it, and that's your battle for the day. It's nearly like um just those personal battles with your man and, and and they're all they're all brilliant brilliant players very honest and I would say out of the Mayo defenders I'd say Chris Barrett uh, was probably the hardest I've marked Um I just remember marking him in 2017 in the quarterfinal Um he was just very strong uh, just a physical physical man uh, you know you, you have your work cut out to even get away from him to run for a ball and then when you get in and try and take him on, he's very good at standing players up and, and, and again, he's strong and honest. So 
I found him uh, a tough opponent. Um, and like that, I'd look forward to marking him again, you know, because it's, it's good to be uh, comparing yourself against against the best defenders. Uh, he had a brilliant year last year, the year before, I think it was, uh, on the run to the All-Ireland final. You know, he actually st stood out for some of his performance. So I have great respect for him. And I've marked Brendan Harrison as well, very good defender. Um, so they'd be up there. But probably one of the toughest I've marked would be uh, Andy Mallon from Armagh. He's retired now, but he would have gotten all-star, I think, in 2005 or seven or one of those years. Because um, I was a young lad in 2014, um, playing with Erskaman, and I kind of was coming off a good enough season with under-21s. So, like, you're feeling a bit unstoppable and came on against Mayo and did pretty good, scored a few points and played against Calvin. Uh, my first debut, and so I thought I was doing well in that. I kicked a few points. Then I uh, played against Armand, the Hyde, uh, where they beat us. It was the year they got to the All-Ireland Court Final and just narrowly lost out to um, Donegal, who who beat Dublin in the semi-final. So um, I just thought they were very well organised. But I found him um, wasn't the biggest build of a man, but he was very strong. And he was just very fast and good at reading the game, You know, reading where I was going to go. So for me, that was uh, a real eye-opener that day, marking him. I just found it very tough uh, because at that time, I was a young lad and I thought, you know, I you're nearly unstoppable. You just kind of get that belief in you. And, um, you know, I kind of, since that game, I've kind of got maybe a, a kick up the arse to try and work harder, you know, and, and make sure um, I'm physically strong enough in games uh, because he would have bullied me that day now and, I would have hardly got a touch of the ball. I, I think I might have scored one free in the game. So um, between them three would be the three toughest. Now it would be tough to call um, because I've changed um, and they would have changed. Like, like I would say, I'd be hoping I'd be tougher to mark now than I would be when I was a young lad with physicality-wise and stuff. So uh, I'd probably, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Chris Barrett, I'd say. 2014-2015, um, obviously a huge success for Roscommon in under-21, but the amount of players that have come through to the senior panel, I think it's something like 10 now. But obviously you came up short in 2014 in the All-Ireland Final against Dublin and then the semi against Tyrone. But the amount of Dublin and Tyrone players that have now transformed into the senior squads, did you learn a lot playing in them under 21? So you're coming up against Jack McCaffrey, your Brian Fenton's, Paul Mannion's, Colin McShane's, Mark Bradley, like poor Campsies, like some top class footballers. Yeah, see, it's it's funny. Um, at the time, you don't look at it like that. You're nearly looking down on them, not not in a in an arrogant way or anything, but you you think you're because they haven't say done much at senior yet. Obviously, they have. They went on to do great things. And still are, but like at that time, they're on the same boat as you. You're in an All Ireland final, and so are they. Or you're in an All Ireland semi, so you see yourself just as good, if not better, at the time. At the time, like when you're playing them, and uh, not realizing how good they were going to come on, go on to be. Uh, but of course, um, like when you look back on it now, some of their teams, I think people in Roscommon would forget, like did more remember us for the loss rather than remembering the teams we've actually lost to. You know, like I know that Dublin team that beat us in the All-Ireland final they had Davy Byrne, Eric Lowndes, Jack McCaffrey, Paul Mannion, Conor McHugh, Cormac Costello, Niall Scully, like Kieran Kenny was even injured for them that year. So like they're they're like serious players and have gone on to win five All-Irelands, six All-Irelands, all, multiple All-Stars. And then that Tyrone team they would have had Kieran McGeary, Colin McShane, Mark Bradley and... Um, 
Power Campsy, like all them, them player Lee Brennan, you know, like they went on to do brilliant things with their uh, county as well. So like, like obviously at the time we thought we were good enough to beat them, and obviously we still would whenever we played them. But um, they were great teams that we came up short against, um, and it's great to still uh, be battling with them. And I suppose like people would ask why why did they make instant success with their county teams rather than say if we were playing against them in an All-Ireland final why didn't why aren't Roscommon in an All-Ireland final at senior level I think you have to realise the level that they were coming into into their senior teams you know like they might be they're coming in to play with All-Ireland winners and that's no disrespect to um, the senior players that we were playing with like they were fellas that I'd looked up looked up for years but we were playing Division 3 in 2014 where like the Colin McShane was probably going into a Tyrone panel playing in Division One League finals, you know, and you learn a lot quicker. And I think we have learned over the last few years when we got up the divisions, um, up to Division Two and Division Division One, you learn a lot more about yourself at the game. But I think they them players just had of playing with them straight when they came out of under twenty one and competing against the top teams in, in the country. Then with John Evans, like you joined the panel in 2014, you got promotion from Division 3 to Division 1. Is it so pleasing now, like as a young player, you went through the tough times at Roscommon in Division 3 and then to go to Division 1, does it make all? Does it make it all the more worthwhile now? Oh, it does. Like they were brilliant days. I remember the, the day actually we got promoted to Division 1. We won an under-21 kind of final in 2015, the, the night before. and. Like that weekend doesn't get much better for us as younger players winning back-to-back conic title and getting promoted with your county division one knowing who you're going to be playing against next year was was unbelievable championship wasn't great that year but we still always look forward to going on and um, but yeah no it was it's it, it's it's brilliant yeah it, it like it it makes you look back and see how far you've come and for me it, it, it it's we were delighted to get even more delighted to see the lads who were battling for Scammon in Division 4 and Division 3, that they got their chance to play in the higher divisions as well. Because we didn't experience it. Division 4, you know, you've likes it, Shawnee McDermott, Kyle Craig, Donald Shine, Tuchel Brides, all them players, they were going to train and playing Division 4 football, Division 3 football, like really tough games. Like people don't realise how tough, tough some of them games are in them divisions. Um, like I'd have huge respect for the teams down there and the battles they go through. Um, so like I, I was delighted to be part of it, but I was delighted that them lads got to experience um, ex- experience more highs with Roscommon, you know, because in some ways if them lads weren't playing with Roscommon and I didn't have anyone to look up to, like I don't know, would a lot of us players be where we are now without them, say, putting in the hard work before us? And obviously when you're playing with them, they're demanding off you and, and you're, they're giving you advice, um, which you take on board, and and you'd like to think it's 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 the reason where you are today. Um, obviously, you'd never, you, I'm not saying we're finished articles today or anything like that, but I mean it's just brought us up to competing at the higher end of Division Two, and um, to be pr- getting promoted to Division One. Like we have played Division One the last few years, um, so it, it, it's great to be up up that end of uh, the league tables, definitely. 2016 then Kevin McShay and Lee McHale came in. Um, your championship obviously didn't go the way you wanted. A heavy defeat to go in the replay in the Connacht final and then losing to Clare and Pierce Stadium. 
do you think it was the hype that year um, playing in the league that got to you as players? Yeah, well, like I don't think it's any secret that we uh, put in a massive effort into that league that year. Um, not more so to make sure we stayed up. Well, obviously we wanted to stay up, but it was more so we didn't know where we were at going into that league. You know, we're after a, a very poor championship in 2015. So obviously we had to work hard and at least be fitter than all the teams we're playing against, if not better, footballers. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was it kind of probably did, I'd say. I'd say we, we played the league semi-final against Kerry in, in uh, 2016. I think it was two weeks before we went to New York. So we never got that, um, we never got that break to bring us up a level to championship performance. And like nowadays, at the end of the leagues, you get a month and a half or, or two months and your training completely changes. You know, it's all high intensity stuff and you get up to that level. Whereas we were kind of at that, we got to a certain fitness level, but we never got up. Like we we're kind of stale going into championship rather than being top of the ground. And um, I suppose um, that was the first year as well. Um, that was the first year um, we... What was I going to say? Yeah, no, so that was, uh, that would have been the first year we would have got a lot of, say, them younger lads coming through, Do you know, like, say, with the under-21s and stuff, it was kind of, like, them lads were, like, say, for 2014, 2015, 2016, we finally had, like, say, a strong crop coming through and training on the senior panel. And I suppose we kind of, in championship, we didn't know what our best team was because we had fellas injured during the league and things like that, and it, it can all make an impact. Um, and then obviously Claire deservingly beat us in, in, in Galway and like, I suppose we were close to winning the Connacht final but I think overall Galway were probably the better team over the two days um, and they deserved their Connacht, Connacht final that year but um, no it was just I'd say mixtures between injuries and like we're probably unsure what our best team was at the time like so say if a lad was coming back and he was only training three weeks before championship but he played with Erskaman three years before that. Like, do you play him? Do you not? He has he the experience? Is this lad too young? You know, like it, it was kind of we were really at like um, a kind of funny transition uh, at that stage. Like we kind of didn't know where we were at, even though we had a good league. And um, it was just difficult. Um, it was difficult. Like even along with preparations going into New York, we never had that that gap that could get us up to a higher level in order to. You know, be peaking come championship, if if that makes sense. And getting a scare out in New York, like I've seen seen teams going out there. Like, what's it like as a player? Because you're obviously so nervous going out, and you're you go to New York obviously to take care of the result, but you're taking in so much as well because it's one of the best cities in the world. But like getting a scare, winning that by one point, like what's going through your head there in the final minutes? Uh, uh, it was it was one of the most surreal experiences I've had as a footballer. It was just it was it was horrible to say the least. Even though we won the game and got the job done, it was just it was horrible. And that's no disrespect to New York; like they played very well. But um, we, I thought we were actually playing well. We we were all just kind of five six points up, and the conditions that day were difficult. Uh, they were wet. It was on astroturf, and the few days we trained beforehand. There were scorchers of the day, so it probably would have suited us better. But um, we had a few goal chances, myself included, and uh, I just didn't take them or whoever else didn't take them. And then all of a sudden, New York started to get that momentum, and momentum's a, a scary thing when you're the other side of it. You know, it's very hard to stop. 
and the crowd then to be getting on your back and supporting them and it was just it was it was funny i I was taken off at about 15 minutes to go. I would have felt like it was about three hours uh, sitting on the sideline waiting for the ref to blow the final whistle. It, it was, it was, um, it, it wasn't good from us now, uh, to be honest. We, we, but we were performed okay, but we weren't clinical enough. And luckily, Seneca Bride kicked the score from an outrageous angle, um, as he does always, uh, to, to put us a point up. And I think they had a goal chance and the ref blew it up or something like that. But, it, it was a worrying time, um, especially after the league we had we had, had. And it wasn't that we were complacent or we were arrogant going over. Like, we respected them and we knew we had a job to do and we knew if we weren't at our, our best, we'd be in trouble and, and we weren't at our best. But after the league, I think that was the disappointing thing. You know, if we were playing Division 3, uh, mid-table Division 3, uh, people probably wouldn't have passed that much heat on it. But the fact we were got to a league, a Division 1 league semi-final and playing against uh, the best teams in the country for the eight or ten weeks previous, I think that made it look a lot worse. And and then as players, like, you, you're, you're harsh on yourself as well. So, you know, we just, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a scary time now, you know, especially not the fact, it's nothing to do with New York, but it's been, say, the first team that went over to lose, you know, kind of, you know, so that would have been all those a tag that would have stayed with that group of players after playing Division 1. So that was a, a scary thought as well. Then in 2017, um, probably not the league you wanted in Division 1, but to be written off by everyone, and I suppose the documentary, like, what's it like going through as players? Like, you're going into team meetings, you're doing training, and you're getting videoed, and to win the Connacht was huge, like, because nobody gave you a chance, probably, only the people inside your camp, and then to play, you probably feel you left that Mayo game behind you as well in Crow Park. Yeah, it's a funny one with with the with the camera. Like, I don't know if we won the kind of title with the documentary ever come out, but um, it's actually funny. Uh, we were at the, at a training, as you would have saw it on the video behind the gates. We were at a training camp in Johnson House, um, in Kildare, and we happened to play Mead at the end of the training camp and a challenge game. And um, although like we're kind of doing our warm up as normal, next thing we saw this fella like out with a camera videoing us from behind the goals. Like we were thinking, we're playing Galway here in a Connacht final in two weeks. Is this some fellow from Galway now spying on us? So like the brother was the Huron was the captain at the time. So I kind of mentioned it to him. I was like, "What's going on with your man?" Like he was like, "I haven't a clue." So he um then we had a team huddle and Kevin just explained it to us then that um they were doing a documentary and just pass no heed and the two lads that were doing it were the two nicest fellas. They nearly felt part of the panel at that stage. And to be honest, you wouldn't really pass any heed. Um, I think you can see from it that everything the lads were saying and doing was all real. Like, you know, I'm sure there's lots of teams that do those sort of things. You know, the fellas talking more than usual just to get on the camera, and so it looks good to supporters and whatever. But no, it was it was very real, and um, it's a great thing to look back on. Like, you wouldn't be going out in the Connacht final or the Connacht semi final against Leitrim thinking this is going to be a documentary. I need to play well here. Like, it wouldn't even be in your mind. But obviously, when you look back now, it's 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 brilliant. But now that was a, a brilliant conic title to win, and um, we were we were still had a strong enough panel. We lost a few players, but we knew we had a strong enough panel of, of fit and skillful players, and and um, we just fancied our chances that year. And um, like we put in a big effort, the opposite to the year before, we had a bad league, 
um, beat Cavan in our last league game, which was more important than what people would think that year. Um, and then we had like a two-month, three-month break to championship. It was, it was crazy the amount of time we'd off. So we'd re- we really upped their training. Um, and we were kind of really top of the ground going into that game against Leitrim. And then the kind of final, like we knew we'd beaten Leitrim uh, fairly comfortably um, at the time. But like we kind of knew that Galway would be saying they would have beaten them by the same you know, if they were to play them, you know, that kind of way. So, like, they were probably saying they couldn't really look much into that. And, um, but we knew we were playing well. We didn't know what goal we were going to bring. For all we knew, goal we could have bet us out the, the gate. But we knew we were performing well. And um, we knew we'd, we'd have to be at our best or even better um, to be at a chance of winning the game. And we needed a couple of goals. Um, and luckily, we won the toss, played with the breeze in the first half. And, that really got us going and kind of just it settles in and you get the confidence levels up when you kick a few points. Next thing you know, it's your seven or eight points up and it's coming to half time. You're thinking, it's only 35 minutes of football here. You know, if we hold it out, get another couple of goals, you never know what could happen. And thankfully we won. And then, yeah, the, the game against Mayo, the first day we were probably, we started off brilliant and went out of the game. I don't think we scored for over 20 minutes in, in a stage between the first halfway through the first half and the second half and you can't do that against a team against me and we had chances you know and and that was a time to really really get ahead of them when we got the two goals early on we had chances after that so but look we knew me were going to come at us at the second half and we got the draw out of it and then the in the the second game they just blew us out of the water um which they've done to a lot of teams and but you never expect that as a player when you're going into a game and it's it, it is it was heartbreaking after the game as well. Like it can take a downer off the season, you know, when when you get it beaten like that. Yeah, and then twenty eighteen, um, probably not the consistency you wanted. Um, Anthony Cunningham then was in in twenty nineteen. Do you think when Anthony Cunningham came in, he you were just that bit more solid defensively? You got all the dailies, Connor Hussey. You were just more aggressive in the tackle. You could see it last year in some of your games that your tackling was really brought to a new level and do you think that's what Anthony Cunningham has done to progress you on to a new level? Yeah, so I suppose no more so than what you were saying with our club there about scoring freely and we were doing that with our scum and we were kind of happy like our defenders were even coming up joining attacks kicking scores we were defensively or we were attacking well in 2017, 2018 but maybe conceding too much I think we conceded four goals against Cavan in the league final in 2018, which which is a lot for a team for a team that people would uh, call a defensive team, even though obviously they're not. But um, you know, like it was disappointing to concede that much against them. So when Anthony came in, yeah, no, he put emphasis on our defending, but it, it, it's it's easy to put the blame on defenders when you're conceding a lot of goals. But if I'm corner forward and I'm letting a man run by me. That means they have an extra man in, in an attack. So, you know, I think it was more so uh, working harder as a unit. Um, like sometimes you can be, you can do all the right things. You can be in all the right positions, but you might be hard, working hard enough. And I, I think that's maybe a place where we, we've improved on, you know, that we're, we're looking for hard work rather than say shying away from it and trying to do the, do the nice things at the other end of the pitch. Um, and thankfully that paid off and um, obviously if we get back in this year we have to bring that to a new level because teams know now that we can 
we can def defend and defend harder than we were doing. So they'll be trying to look for uh, ways around that. So when we get back in, we'll have to work even harder in the in a shorter sp space of time. Are your performances as players, do you feel hugely disappointed by your performances in the Super 8s? Uh, yeah, yeah, you would. Um, again, like your Cavan League game 2017, we found it. We really went for that game against Cork last year, even though we were knocked out of that, uh, the All Ireland competition. You know, we just felt that was huge because again, you start getting a name tag as a team and players that they haven't won anything in the Super Eights. So that was a game we targeted. Obviously, we targeted the other two as well, but they can go and um, the way we planned. Like I thought, we performed quite well against Tyrone in the first game, but like just probably a bit of lack of experience and their experience and um, in those games uh, really stood to them. Um, and then Dublin gave us a fair beating. And then against Cork, we um, we targeted that game to make sure we got a win. Because um, you were after winning a Connacht title, you don't want people knowing you as a good provincial team. Like you want to do well outside your outside your province. You know you want to be getting to All Ireland semi-finals and finals. You know ultimately as a player, that's what you want to be. So. You know, taking hammerings in Super 8s, everyone thinks then you're not good enough for that next level, which you'd never think as a player. So obviously we were happy to be Cork, who actually had a, a good season last season. Um, I think people are going to underestimate that, that win for us down in Cork because um, they played very well against Dublin um, and against Tyrone. They were very, very unlucky in their game. So you know, we knew they were going well. So to beat them in a Super 8 game, uh, we, we were happy with that. But obviously, um, from now on, if we're in the Super 8s, we don't want our last game being a dead rubber game. We want to have something to play for, maybe win two games and see where, where that takes us in, in, in the Super 8s. And I suppose Conor Cox arriving, like, what was it like when he arrived to Roscommon? He obviously didn't think he was going to be that good, and the season he had last year was just phenomenal. But, like, when a Kerry man walking into a Roscommon dressing room, like, what was that like? Connor is a brilliant lad. He fits in like an absolute glove with, with all the rest of the lads. He's a really, really nice lad and is really driven and wants to win. And you'd think he was a Roscommon man the way he go on, the way, the way he goes on in, in, in the Roscommon dressing room and on the field and off the field. Like he's, he gets on great with all the lads. Really, really sound lad. Um, at the start when he came in, I wasn't there with my eye injury. So like I didn't know him or have really anything to do with him but I would have seen him playing college football at UCC and um, when I was down at the, the trench weekend so at my own college St Pat's and uh, I just thought he was brilliant he was absolutely fantastic so I, I kind of have remembered him from that he, he was one of the best forwards on display so I'd remember him from that and I knew he was um, a Kerry panelist uh, and I knew he had to be good because in fairness the, the forwards he was battling against to get in there uh, were very good players so I knew surely if they can have six good forwards like that playing on their team, there's surely a few that are going to be left off disappointed, you know, a fairly big county and a tradition like themselves. So it was great that he, he wanted to come up and play for us. Um, you know, like it, it, he gave us a great boost. Uh, he was very good in the league games. We wouldn't have won. We probably should have stayed up last year in Division 1, being honest. Uh, and But we probably wouldn't have come close to that if he wasn't playing the league games with some of the scores he kicked. And some of the frees he kicks so and then obviously his championship performance were brilliant for us as well so it's been great great having him in great boost definitely and look forward to seeing seeing how how much more he can progress with us and see where he can take us to 
And then finally, um, the new rules have been implemented. What have you made of them? Um, it's hard, no. As an inside forward um, with the mark rule, if you're catching a ball that close to goal, you don't really want to be stopping. Obviously, it depends on like game management and stuff like that, you know. You know, like it, it can come in handy um, if you're trying to kill out a game or things like that. But in the heat of a game, unless you're a May fan or want all your own scores, or you know, if you're taking a mark and there's a fella running off your shoulder, um, it's not really going to benefit your team that much, you know. Um, but as I said, but if you're playing against a defensive team, then you have the other side of it. You know, you're happy to get a ball kicked in, and if you win it, you're not going to be happy to have three lads uh, belting you and and then you getting caught for over carrying so that's where you take the mark and that's where it, it'll be good um, and I like it for the kick out as well um, I think midfielders should be rewarded for some of the feeling that they do it's it, it's brilliant um, and then the other rules then like the kick out rule with the keepers uh, I don't find much of a change in that uh, like defenders still create space and run for it and things like that no matter where the keepers are taking it from so um, I don't really pass and heed that. But the sim bin is very good, I think. I think uh, when you get a player gone for 10 minutes, it's it's a big 10 minutes for the team who deserves to have an extra pair because obviously he's after doing a tackle that warranted a black card. So I think that's a good rule. And it's also nice for the player if it happens. It's like, fellas, we pumped up for games and you could go in there and like do a trip by accidental because you're so up for a game and could be after the first five minutes. I think it's it's nice that that player gets another opportunity in 10 minutes time. It's important that the other team get their advantage, but it's important. I think it's important that like that lad isn't gone for the game, if, if you get me. So I think the Simbin is a good rule and I think it will it, it, it will um, help the GA going forward with like cynical foul and things like that. You'll probably still have it, but at least the other team's getting, a, getting an advantage anyways for 10 minutes. Absolutely, and um, thanks a million for your time, Jeremy Murta. I wish you best of luck for the season ahead.